0: A very tumultuous year 2020 did offer the world a glimpse of hope for the middle east on august 13 2020 the abraham accord statement was signed between the uae bahrain and israel marking the first public normalization of relations between an arab country and israel since egypt in 1979 and jordan in 1994. Now, there are hints of a possible start to a Saudi and Israeli relationship. While the plight of the Palestinian people remains a crucial and unanswered aspect of this very old conflict, are we closer to a prospect of Middle East peace? Good morning and welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. I'm Liz Brailsford, President and CEO of the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. Our program today features His Excellency Ayman Safadi, Deputy Prime Minister of Foreign Affairs and Expatriates of Jordan. He is joined in conversation with Joanne Held Cummings, who is a recently retired career foreign service officer with the State Department and adjunct professor at Baylor University. She served many years in the Middle East and North Africa and thus I am very much looking forward to her discussion with his Excellency on a path to the peace, a path to peace in the Middle East, rather. We have a full schedule schedule of virtual programs. so remember to check out our website at dfwworld.org for newly scheduled events. And now join me in recognizing Baylor University for its continued partnership and support of this series. I would like to remind everyone that you too can sponsor a program for $500 or $1,000 and to get in touch with Alana Buenrostro at 956-466-1149 about sponsorship opportunities. And here is Steve Gardner, professor and director of the McBride Center for International Business at Baylor, who will introduce our guests. Thank you, Steve, truly for your wonderful support through these months. Uh, We are really grateful for that. And now I will hand it over to you. Thank you.
1: Well, thanks, Liz, it's been a real pleasure. We at Baylor are just so pleased to be working with the World Affairs Council on this year's Global Business Forum. And our program today represents a particularly high level of cooperation between the council, Baylor University, and the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and expatriates of the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan. I know that we have many distinguished guests in our virtual audience today, but I'll mention only one. Her Excellency Dina Kawar, the ambassador to the United States of the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan is joining us today from Washington, DC. Welcome, Ambassador Kawar. When the opportunity presents itself, we would love to have you visit the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth and Baylor University. And now, as you know, our special guest this morning joins us from Amman, Jordan. His Excellency, Dr. Ayman Safadi, has served as Minister of Foreign Affairs and Expatriates for the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan since 2017, and also as Deputy Prime Minister since last October. He works tirelessly to serve the needs of citizens and expatriates in Jordan, and to advance the peace process in the Middle East. During the past week alone, I know that he has met with foreign ministers and other officials of China, Egypt, France, and Germany. His Excellency had a long and distinguished career in journalism and broadcasting as a correspondent, editor, and executive in Jordan and abroad. In previous public appointments, he served as director of media for the Royal Court, advisor to king abdullah uh, minister of state a minist- member of the senate spokesperson for the jordanian government and a spokesperson for the united nations assistance mission in iraq his excellency earned his undergraduate degree at yarmouk university in jordan but i am very proud to say that he earned his masters of international journalism at baylor university in 1992 and we've had a wonderful relationship ever since that time. Welcome back to Texas, my dear friend. Our moderator this morning, as you've heard, is eminently, eminently qualified to handle this task. Uh, Joanne Hilt Cummings was raised in the Middle East in a State Department family, completed her undergraduate work at the American University in Beirut and her master's at UT Austin and served throughout the Middle East as a Foreign Service Officer for the State Department until her retirement last year. Now I'm happy to say that Joanne is teaching in the Political Science Department at Baylor University. So thank you Your Excellency and Joanne and all of you for joining us today. Joanne, I hand the program to you.
2: Thank you very much, Steve and Liz and Your Excellency. It is absolutely wonderful to see you again. I uh, I have enjoyed our many conversations over the last decade or so in several different contexts. And I know that our audience today is going to benefit enormously from what you have to say. Before I raise questions for you, I'd like to open the floor for you to make uh, whatever introductory statement you choose to do.
3: Thank you so much. Uh, good morning to you all. And I'm grateful to uh, Baylor University Global Business Forum and the uh, World Affairs Council, Dallas Fort Worth, uh, uh, for this uh, opportunity. Uh, dear old friend, Dr. Gardner, my old friend and professor, uh, Miss Cummings, who's also a dear colleague and a friend from for a long time. And, and Miss Burlesford, thank you so much. Uh, and uh, I would have loved to be uh, uh, with you in person uh, to be back in Texas, uh, but uh, it is COVID and the implications that we all know. Uh, unfortunately, COVID has disrupted all our lives and uh, has also shown how uh, interdependent we are. And I'm speaking to you now at a time when we're facing uh, a big challenge with COVID as a number of cases continue to increase. Uh, positivity rate is about 20% compared to this time last year. Uh, when we were able to control very effectively the first wave of the uh, pandemic. That we did uh, though uh, through strict measures, including a a two-week lockdown. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, we do not have the resources to go to such strict measures anymore. The impact on the economy has been uh, devastating. So what we're trying to do now is to uh, find a balance between uh, doing everything we can in terms of uh, minimize the spread of the pandemic Uh, emphasizing the need for wearing of masks, social distancing, and also try to encourage people to uh, get the vaccine and uh, continue to try and acquire uh, the uh, amount of the vaccine we need, given the global disruption of of, of supply. Uh, So uh, tough times in the region Uh, as we battle COVID, we continue with our historical uh, role in Jordan uh, in terms of trying to create an environment of peace, overcome the many challenges that have affected this region for so long and have impacted on our ability to achieve the levels of development that we want, create peace, stability and ultimately opportunity that would benefit the hundreds of millions of young people whose potentials has has, has yet to be tapped uh, given the the, the lack of uh, peace and stability uh, in the region. Jordan uh, has always prided itself in being a, a force for peace, a force for moderation in this part of the world. Uh, his majesty, Abdullah, has made uh, the achievement of this peace and, and, and overcoming the regional crisis a priority for Jordan. Uh, and therefore, we continue to uh, uh, employ every resource available that we have uh, uh, to, in our efforts to overcome regional uh, uh, crises and that we do in solid partnership with the United States of America, a historical partner, uh, a strong partnership that has done a lot of good, uh, not only for both our countries, but also uh, for, for the region and for the cause of peace and stability uh, through decades of, of friendship and, and, and close uh, uh, cooperation. And allow me to say that we continue to be grateful uh, to the United States for the support that it has continued to provide Jordan uh, over many decades. That support is key. Uh, to us in Jordan, uh, as we try to introduce economic reforms and, and 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 therefore improve the efficiency and performance of our economy, that support is also key in, in efforts to bring about peace and stability in the region. For the U.S., has a, a leading role that it cannot be dispensed with. Uh, we need the U.S. to be active. Uh, we need to the U.S. to be involved, and the U.S. can count on Jordan uh, as a solid partner in the pursuit of our of our common goals. Uh, That said, unfortunately, uh, the challenges in the regions are are far too many. Uh, Back to the days of Baylor 30 years ago, uh, if we compare it to what we have now, I think we were way better off in in many ways. Uh, So the challenges continue to to, to grow, uh, but so uh, do our efforts to solve them uh, uh, increase. Uh, the major uh, conflict, the major cause of instability in the region, has been the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Uh, achieving Palestinian-Israeli peace on basis that would address the legitimate concerns of both peoples and usher in an era, uh, era of cooperation is something that has been a priority uh, for Jordan. Uh, that said, however, the peace process continues to face extreme, extremely uh, big challenges. Uh, the two-state solution remains the only solution that we believe will bring about the comprehensive peace that we all want. Uh, that solution is being challenged, unfortunately, by uh, uh, unilateral measures that are undermining its viability, uh, building of settlements, expansion of settlements, uh, 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 slower, less, slower efforts and lesser commitment to uh, uh, move on, on, on the peace track through direct meaningful negotiations is also a factor. Uh, what we're trying to do at this point is, is reinvigorate the peace process, bring the parties back to the table uh, with a view to achieving a comprehensive peace, whose only path we believe, and so does the majority of the world, again, is the two state solution that would allow for the emergence of a viable independent Palestinian state on the uh, uh, June 1967 alliance with East Jerusalem as capital, living by side, a secure and safe uh, Israel. Uh, pair international law and pair the Arab peace initiative which continues to be the most comprehensive effort yet to achieve that comprehensive peace. Again, uh, as, as, as uh, Ms. Cummings mentioned at the beginning, we, we, or, or one, uh, 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 Ms. Leza, I believe, that we've had a peace treaty with Israel since 27 years. Our commitment to peace remains unwavering, but we do know the region, we live in the region, and we know that uh, unless we solve the core issue, which is the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, it's going to be extremely difficult to get to that uh, uh, to that peace if not entirely uh, 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 impossible it is not because of the absence of peace treaties between arab states and israel that we have a conflict it is because we have the palestinian israeli conflict that we have uh, uh, we have not had uh, such peace treaties bottom line is nobody is doing anybody a favor by opting for peace we all need to work for it every Uh, everybody in the region, all peoples of the region deserve and need this peace. What we need to do now is uh, regroup our efforts, focus back on getting the parties back to the table, and move towards the two-state solution, because uh, frankly, if we lose the two-state solution, uh, the only uh, option that remains out there is a one-state reality, and if we go to a one-state reality, the big question that the whole world is going to have to face, is it going to be uh, a democracy, or is it going to be apartheid? Uh, uh, So I think uh, uh, now is the time to move forward. We're looking forward to engaging with the new United States administration. Uh, uh, The signs that have come out of it so far are extremely positive. We are doing the heavy lifting uh, in the region, uh, trying to make sure that we do have, uh, again, uh, uh, an an environment that would enable uh, the resumption of meaningful negotiations so that we can uh, move forward. Uh, Other uh, challenges in the region remain uh, very uh, devastating. uh, To be honest, the Syrian crisis has just entered its uh, 10th year, 10 years into that crisis. We've seen millions of people displaced, uh, millions of kids uh, of school going age being deprived of their basic right to education. Uh, Countries destroyed and it is time we believe to pause reassess and again Uh, uh, exert all the necessary effort to make sure that we find a political solution to this crisis and end this humanitarian uh, catastrophe. Refugees has been one of the ugly uh, uh, harvests of this crisis. In Jordan alone, we have about uh, 1.3 million Syrians. Uh, 48% of these are under the age of 15, which means the only country that they've really known uh, is Jordan. We try to do our best. We uh, provide refugees the same Treatment we provide our citizens despite the economic challenges. We've given about 272,000 work permits to Syrians at a time when unemployment in Jordan is about 24%. And that number is almost five times the number of the jobs that our economy can create on an annual basis. Uh, about 154,000 uh, Syrian kids go to our schools, which also has been a tremendous burden so that about 200 schools in Jordan now are, are, are applying the double shift uh, uh, program. Uh, we are committed to doing everything we can to provide refugees with the decent dignified life that they want not only out of
0: dallas baptist university is a global christ-centered institution whose students are making an impact in business law medicine education public service and the list goes on dbu is honored to sponsor the global iq podcast and to offer a significant scholarship for world affairs council members towards a master's in international studies for further information about this scholarship or about dbu in general email lee bratcher at leeb dbu.edu
3: uh, altruism and not because jordanians have always been welcoming of refugees but because uh, they are in the room Uh, uh, and they must be happy. Uh, If we invest in refugees, give them a dignified, decent life, they'll be the new generation that will rebuild their country. If we abandon them to ignorance, hate, bitterness, need, there will be a pool from which uh, every uh, radical uh, extremist group will try to to recruit. So uh, that is a huge challenge. That is an investment in our collective security uh, with the crisis having shown how interdependent our security is. Uh, That said, however, Refugees' mana cannot be the responsibility of host countries alone. It's a global responsibility. While we thank all our partners for the tremendous support they provided, I have to raise the alarm that support is dwindling, not just to host countries, but to uh, uh, UN organizations. World Food Program has just uh, informed us that they're suffering a tremendous uh, 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 cut in funding that would impact its ability to uh, uh, provide the refugees with the services that they need. Refugees are not going to go back until the crisis is solved. Uh, we are seeing that firsthand in Jordan. Nobody is going back until they feel they can go back to an environment where they can feed their kids, provide them with education and and and, and uh, uh, medical treatment among other vital uh, services. Uh, tension in the Gulf is also key. We believe that the region has its share of crisis. It does not anymore does not need any more crises. Uh, uh, the path to uh, uh, ending that tension is really uh, uh, for Iran to change its policies in the region. It's not just the nuclear issue. It is also the issue of intervention and in, in the affairs of the uh, uh, Arab states. What we say is that we want good relations with Iran based on good neighborly relations, based on the international concept of non-interference in the uh, affairs of the other, so that we can all cooperate to bettering the lives of all uh, our people. Uh, Terrorism remains a potent threat. Uh, Daesh has been uh, defeated, as his majesty keeps saying, but not not destroyed. To destroy it, it's not enough to defeat it militarily. Uh, We need to also uh, cooperate security-wise to make sure it cannot inflict any more damage on all of us. And most importantly, we need to counter the ideology of hate uh, uh, that they continue to propagate. And this is a responsibility on us in the region it is us who need to come out strongly and say those terrorists are do not represent us, do not represent our our faith. Indeed, do not represent any faith. They are outside our uh, common humanity, and therefore they are a common threat that we must tackle by. Uh, working together. And again, the US is playing a leading role, the leading role in the coalition to combat uh, ISIS and we continue to work very, very closely with each other. Uh, I can go on and and address many other issues, but I think you get the idea of how how, how challenging the situation is. Uh, Again, key is it is in everybody's interest that we all come together uh, to address uh, these crises effectively. So that we replace a conflict with opportunity, despair with hope. We do need an industry of hope in this region, uh, because if we again lose people to despair and and, and anger, uh, then uh, uh, given that radicals are trying to regroup, that will be the environment in which they'll be able to uh, rebuild themselves and and and, and uh, uh, prey on that on that hopelessness and 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 that despair. Uh, we need each other. Uh, we need to continue to work with each other. Uh, ours is a region of great potential. Uh, m- millions of our people are under the age of 30. There's a huge number of young people who have proven their ability, who have excelled in so many aspects of life. So yes, the story of the Middle East is one, unfortunately thus far, of of conflict and and and, and sadness, but it can be a story of achievement. It can be a story of, of progress, uh, but that means that we need to uh, work harder uh, on solving those challenges and and create the opportunity that all our peoples need uh, again thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity and i i look forward to engaging with you all in a, in a conversation that will address these issues and any other issues that you feel uh, are important and again i want to note that we have our uh, very able ambassador joining us here and i hope that the, the conversation will also uh, continue and will be renewed uh, once again so thank you so much
2: thank you very much for those Highly informative and hopeful comments, Your Excellency. I know that people are going to have many questions for you on some of the issues you raised from Jordan's relationship with the Gulf and uh, the role of Iran and how to effectively combat Daesh. But I'd like to dive directly into what you started with, which is, uh, the peace process and the core element of the Israeli-Palestinian dispute in regional dynamics. What, what are the options at the moment? Do you feel that the Abraham Accords, which have focused on normalization between Israel and certain Gulf countries, are a a way of moving the ball forward, or are they distracting from the core issue of the Palestinians and addressing that ongoing problem? What is your view, sir?
3: Thank you. Uh, As I said, comprehensive peace is a longstanding goal of Jordan. Uh, Ultimately, the Arab peace initiative, which was adopted in, in the year 2002, has put on the table a comprehensive peace that would result in Israel having peace treaties with all Arab countries. Uh, uh, And the key to that was resolving the core issue again, which is the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Uh, The the direct answer to to your question is really, it depends. Uh, If Israel sees in them an incentive uh, to go uh, ahead with efforts to resolve the core issue, uh, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict on the basis of the two-state solution, then that will be really a tremendously important push uh, to move forward. If it sees them as an alternative to solving the core issue and to jump over the core issue, which is the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, then I'm afraid to say not just those peace treat- those those uh, uh, recent peace treaties, but all the peace treaties, including that between Egypt and Israel and Jordan and Israel, will not solve the issue and the conflict will only deepen. The reality is Palestinian Israelis are waking up in the morning and they are within, kilometers of, or, or hundreds of meters uh, from each other uh, GDP per capita in Israel is 33 nine thirty nine thousand dollars compared to under three thousand uh, for Palestinians this is not a status quo that can be uh, maintained again ultimately everybody needs peace what we have been working on is to get the parties back to the table and as dr Garner just mentioned I just came back from Paris where we had a meeting of the the Munich group, which groups together, Jordan, Egypt, Germany, France, the EU and the UN. Uh, The whole purpose of that meeting is to create political horizons, see how we can get the parties back uh, uh, to the table, uh, encourage the environment that would uh, uh, move us uh, further on on, on the path towards the comprehensive peace that we all seek and want and need. And uh, ultimately, as we do that, mitigate against measures that are rendering that solution uh, uh, unviable. Uh, Settlement building, uh, to quote the late Prime Minister Rabin, is a cancer uh, uh, that cannot continue. The Land for Peace formula is the formula upon which the whole uh, peace process was launched in Madrid back in the early 90s. Uh, So I think we need to be realistic. We need to face the challenge here on and say, look, uh, Palestinians, Israelis, indeed all peoples of the region, need to live in peace. To do that, we need to address the legitimate concerns of all. Palestinians' need for independence and sovereignty. Israel's need for security. If we all move from the point of departure that we need to get to a solution that works so that the region can enjoy the peace that has been denied for so long, then we need to go back to discussing how do we get to the two-state solution, because ultimately, there are no options. It's either that or. A conflict continuing, a conflict deepening, and therefore, unfortunately, ultimately, uh, a conflict erupting in ways that we've seen how bad they were in the past, and that's something that, again, uh, in the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan, we do not want to see happen, and hence is the uh, continued efforts led by His Majesty to make sure that we create political horizons, we address issues right on, and when we speak, as Jordan, again, we speak with the credibility of a peacemaker. We've had a peace treaty for 27 years. We protected, upheld the, the, the treaty against all odds because we do believe that there is no alternative to peace.
2: Thank you. It's interesting that several of our questions thus far have been looking at aspects of the peace process from uh the possibility of dividing Palestine between land going to Jordan, land going to Egypt, land going to Israel, on the one hand, as opposed to unifying Palestinian territory by uh, finding some other solution for the settlements and creating pathways between uh, between the, the Gaza Strip and the West Bank do you think that these formulae are most important or do you think that a fundamental desire to find a resolution is what's lacking and if so on which sides
3: well, I, again, I don't want to I, I don't want to start sort of abortioning blame here. Uh, what I want to say is that the status quo is untenable. We cannot continue with it because it simply uh, 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 does not address the core issues of conflict. Again, Palestinians want their state. they want their right to self-determination fulfilled. The majority of the world has agreed that the two-state solution, is the only way to go forward. There is simply no alternative. Uh, The whole peace process since Madrid has been based on the land for peace formula, something that Israeli leadership has has agreed to, and hence we saw the Oslo Accords, which should have resulted in a Palestinian state in five years after its signature. Uh, um, So that said, again, we need to go back to the basics. The basics is that you have the people Palestinian people who want their national identity realized, their political identity respected, their right to freedom and statehood uh, uh, upheld. You have Israel who in the past uh, cited security concerns. You have an Arab world who's saying, we're looking in partnership with the whole world to address those security concerns in the most convincing and effective manner. By the end of the day, peace for it to last needs to be embraced by people. Uh, uh, And for people to embrace peace, they need to feel that they got a fair deal. It can be a win-win. It doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. The win-win is that Palestinians living safety with dignity, independence in their own state, pair international law, Israelis living in Israel with with security and and acceptance in the region as well. This is the, the formula. Anything other than that is simply not going to be accepted by the people. It doesn't have the makings for success and it will not solve the conflict. It will be a divergent that will only uh, result in deepening uh, uh, the conflict. Now, you need commitment. You need The point of departure must be is that the goal is peace, and the path to this peace is the two-state solution. We have seen, unfortunately, uh, statements by the current Israeli government who does not uh, commit to the two-state solution, who has Uh, uh, been announcing its intention to confiscate land, and as lately as yesterday, I think, the Israeli Prime Minister said the only reason he's not confiscating is because the United States has not given its approval yet. Uh, uh, The United States traditionally, historically, uh, has worked uh, and believed in the two-state solution as well. Uh, So let's get back to the basics. Let's just accept that. Uh, No peace is going to be lasting. No peace is going to be effective unless it it addresses the legitimate concerns of both parties. We in the Arab world are willing to do all that is required to assure Israelis that their security will be guaranteed. Israeli government, on the other hand, needs to work effectively uh, uh, to uh, bring about the political horizon and engage in negotiations that would uh, result in a Palestinian uh, state. And it needs to stop measures that are really undermining the uh, uh, viability of the two-state solution, demolition of houses, building of settlements, expanding of settlements again, confiscation of land, and, and one other issue, the, 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 the Christian and holy sites in Jerusalem, His Majesty has been the custodian. Uh, of the of those of those sites. It is a historical custodianship that goes back to his great-great-grandfather. What we try to do in Jordan is to preserve the status quo of those holy sites, uh, make sure that we preserve their uh, Arab-Christian-Muslim identity so that we preserve Jerusalem and what it stands for as a city of peace. Uh, we cannot hide our, our heads in the sand. Uh, we know what the path to this, beat is, to this uh, peace is. Uh, again, uh, this is There is no time to waste. Uh, We're running out of time. We need to go back to the negotiation table uh, uh, on the basis of of, of agreed and accepted terms of reference and parameters, and and assure both peoples and the region and the world indeed that uh, peace is is realizable and that the effort and commitment needed to to bring it about is is there, are there as well. Well,
2: that's. That's a very full response, and I thank you for that, sir. I know that the the challenge that Jordan has faced has been uh, partly related to the sequential flows of Palestinian refugees who have been expelled and from 1948 on have found a home in Jordan without going into the complexities within Jordan that that has created, I'd like to stay on the issue of refugees and shift our focus towards Syria. Uh, the, you mentioned Syria as one of the regional dynamics, and of course there are hundreds of thousands of Syrian refugees inside Jordan. How does How do you see the the role of Jordan in helping to resolve conditions in Syria, you you spoke of the need with the Israelis and Palestinians to, to find a legitimate solution that recognizes the needs of the different communities. Is that possible in Syria? We have to believe that there's a future, but how do you get there? What is your
3: view, Your Excellency? It, it has to be uh, uh, possible, Joanne, because again, 10 years into that crisis, what what has it achieved? Uh, again, a country destroyed, uh, millions of people displaced, uh, uh, children being denied their basic right to education, to health services, uh, uh, terrorism thriving, uh, a, a terrorist state was built before it was, it was defeated, but again, terrorists are still trying to to regroup. In Jordan, unfortunately, uh, to be quite honest, we've been at the receiving end of every crisis in the region. Uh, From the Palestinian-Israeli conflict to the the conflict in Iraq in the new years past to uh, Syria now, we have 367 kilometers of border with Syria. Not only has the challenge been having to host 1.3 million Syrians, only six hundred sixty. 5,000 of, of them are registered with UNHCR, uh, spread all over the country, only 10% of them refi- living in refugee camps. The rest are uh, in every town, city, uh, village in, in, in Jordan. So the impact on us has been tremendous. Uh, and and hence, our efforts to resolve the conflict have not stopped as well in working with our partners, the, the, the United States, uh, 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 the European Union, uh, our our brethren in the region, and also with uh, uh, Russia, which has a key role uh, in, in the Syrian crisis. It is there on the ground. So we've been trying to work with all of these. We are part of the a small group that groups uh, in addition to Jordan, the US, the UK, France, Germany, Saudi Arabia, uh, and, and Egypt. We also attend Astana as observer. So we're everywhere trying to, again, bring focus back uh, to the crisis and unfortunately, we have not had a strategy globally on Syria in the past few years. It's been ad hoc management of certain flare-ups of, of conflict here and, uh, here and there. Uh, uh, few people are, are, to be honest, are talking about Syria and the Syrian now. Syria has, been, has become a battleground for regional international powers uh, fighting uh, each other out. Terrorism has become a major uh, uh, aspect of the, of, of the uh, uh, equation there. So we continue to work for a, a peaceful settlement that would, again, preserve unity, integrity of Syria, restore to it its safety, security, and stability, and ensures the enduring defeat of terrorist forces, result in the departure of all foreign troops from it and create conditions conducive for the return, voluntarily return, I must say, of refugees to, uh, uh, to Syria. We cannot do it alone. Uh, we need to all be together. And, and right now we're in conversation with our partners in the US, our partners in Europe, other countries in the region and Russia and others to see how we can regalvanize efforts to uh, bring about uh, uh, an end to this uh, conflict. At the same time, the humanitarian uh, uh, issue is of major concern. We need to also uh, figure out a way that would allow uh, to uh, ensure that people do get the humanitarian support that they that they need. So we're working with the UN as well. Uh, To us in Jordan, the threat from Syria uh, crisis continuing has been, as I said, enormous not only in terms, by the way, of uh, the flow of refugees into Jordan who are not going back and the pressure that is putting on our educational health and other uh, key, uh, key, key sectors. Uh, uh, we have, as I said, 367 borders of uh, uh, kilometers of border with Syria. We lost people uh, to terrorist attacks that came out of Syria. We aborted many more others. Now we're facing the new challenge of drug trafficking uh, as uh, uh, chemical drugs are being manufactured in Syria and attempts to smuggle them to Jordan and through Jordan to the region and to Europe are continuing as well. We also had a major impact on our economy, border towns that, you know, as is the case with border town all over, uh, uh, have lost a main uh, mainstay of their economy. Also, our uh, route to Europe in terms of land uh, transport Uh, has been disrupted, so the cost of imports, exports have uh, increased as well. So again, uh, Syria cannot continue. It's a crisis, it's a catastrophe, uh, whose biggest victim has been uh, innocent people. That has got to stop. This is our message to the world and this is what we're working with all our partners to achieve.
2: Thank you, Your Excellency. As as we look at Syria, the the focus is obviously on the destruction that is still occurring and on the the, the humanitarian disaster that, that continues to unfold. However, part of what you're talking about in terms of regaining uh, transportation access to Europe and the rest has to do with reconstruction in Syria, uh, which implies some level of normalization. But with whom? Uh, It seems that Iran and Russia, who both play a role in Syria, have an interest in the international community providing reconstruction funds, uh, particularly if President Assad is able to stay in power. How do you see that dynamic?
3: The global position thus far, whether in Europe or the US, uh, is that reconstruction will have to be linked to progress in the political process. So no no reconstruction before uh, 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 convincing meaningful movement in the political process in accordance with UN resolution 2254, which has uh, received the uh, consensus of all members of the Security Council and which has become a term of reference for, for moving forward. That said, however, We're trying in Jordan to make a distinction between reconstruction and what we call stabilization. Others call uh, early recovery, call it whatever you want. But the goal of it is to make sure that we do not punish the people further for the conflict of which they are victims. We cannot victimize them again. What we've been trying to do is to uh, uh, push the argument that we do provide humanitarian support Uh, We partner with UN organizations that are there uh, on the ground. And the question is, uh, uh, Juan, really is that if you have 1,000 Syrian kids, whether they're growing under regime-controlled areas or opposition-controlled areas, if you do not provide them again with schools and a decent life, what will they grow up to be? Uh, Ignorance is the best ally of, of radicalization and extremism. And if ignorance is you know, combined with, with frustration, hopelessness, indignity, then you're talking about the, the making of the perfect storm here. So ultimately we need to really be realistic, be pragmatist and say, the ultimate goal is to solve the political crisis. That must be uh, uh, the, the focus of all our efforts. But as we get there, do we minimize the impact that will be long lasting uh, or do we uh, ignore all of that and just say all or nothing? It, there's a lot of gray areas there. We believe in Jordan that uh, humans must be at the core of everything that we do. Helping people, saving innocent people uh, is, is uh, and should be at the core of what we do. And this is the argument that we're, we're pushing. Ultimately, you know, we spoke of a lot of threats uh, in the region. One of the biggest threats that nobody even mentions is that in the Arab world now, whether in Syria or in Yemen or in Libya or in many of the other hot spots, you have about 12 million kids of school-going age that are not going to school. This is a long-term challenge that we cannot just turn our eyes away from. We need to have a holistic approach to the problem, factor in what the priorities are, and minimize damage as we try to go for the for the ultimate uh, uh, answer to all those problems.
2: Thank you, your excellency. I know that Jordan has always taken a very strong forward-looking stand on education and the development of human capital, which um, speaks well to both King's perspectives uh, but also I think highlights what you're saying about the problem in the region as a whole. Before I go into questions that I haven't already woven into my own, I'd like to ask you just on the last point you raised, which was on Iran, relationships with Iran and, and what is needed uh, to see from Iran. You may not know that I lived in Iran. I I went to high school there. So I, I do tend to have a fairly nuanced view of the country. And yet it is easy to be very frustrated with Iran's actions in the Middle East at this time because of their support for proxy groups, because of their support for the Assad regime. So how do we balance perhaps an understanding that Iran sees itself to be under threat, with a perception everywhere else that Iran constitutes part of the threat?
3: Look, again, we do want very good relations with Iran and and everybody else in the region. As I said, we have more than our fair share of crises in this part of the world, so we really do not want more and an eruption uh, of the tension with Iran in a a violent way would have a devastating impact, not just on the region, but on on globally as well, because of the centrality and the strategic uh, importance of that Gulf region in terms of supply of oil and and, and others. Uh, But we need to ask ourselves, why is it that we have a problem with Iran? And let's have, again, um, sort of a stock taking of of everything. it is not Arab countries that are interfering in the affairs of Iran. It's not Arab countries that are supporting uh, groups inside Iran. It's not Arab countries that are uh, uh, moving in with a view to influencing how, uh, how things move in Iran. And it's not Arab countries who are trying to export any ideology into Iran. There are three aspects to, to the challenge with Iran now. One is the nuclear issue, and that's a global concern. And now we're all uh, seeing the Uh, efforts by the new administration to re-engage with a view to making sure that Iran commits to the JCPOA. So that's one factor. Second factor is traditional uh, 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 missiles development and the potential danger inherent uh, therein. And third is interventionist policies, whether in Syria, in Lebanon, in Yemen, and in other places as well. What we say is that we want to have a comprehensive dialogue uh, that will provide answers to all those challenges. And ultimately we overcome them. And ultimately we all focus again on, on on creating an environment of peace and cooperation so that instead of having tension in the Gulf, we have an environment that would allow for for development and for commerce and for the creation of, a, of, a, of, a, of opportunity. So that is the impact. Iran is a key country in the region. Iran is part of the region. What we want is to create uh, uh, conditions that would take us towards uh, uh, a relationship, again, based on cooperation rather than uh, than conflict. So we must put all that on the table and we must, again, uh, engage in dialogue uh, that would uh, get, us, get us there. Uh, everything in the region is interconnected, as you know very well. And I think if you look at Syria, you look at Yemen, Uh, you look at Lebanon, you look at at even Gaza, you will see a common thread there, which is uh, uh, Iran's role and presence. And again, we don't want to go to war with Iran. We don't want to have conflict with Iran. What we want is to responsibly address those issues and and end uh, negative intervention that is feeding uh, conflict and and at times obstructing the resolutions of, of conflict as well.
2: Thank you. And I do hear the thread in all of your comments of a fundamental concern for people, that if you address the needs of people, the political and economic constructs become more clear. So thank you for that. I would like to raise um, and, and I'm going to raise several together of questions that have been asked so that you can weave together your response as you choose. So one is how is Algeria as a large country viewed in Jordan and what kinds of cooperation exist between Jordan and Algeria? Um, In addition, does the COVID crisis in an odd way offer some unique windows and pathways uh, to reset the peace process? And on the line of the peace process, would a two-state solution, how would a two-state solution address Palestinian right of return? Uh, the Israelis obviously feel that that would be totally destructive of, of the, what they consider the core nature. nature of Israel. Palestinians feel that they have a fundamental right to return home. So would you like to deal with those either separately or if you can find a linkage?
3: Sure, absolutely. Again, uh, Algiers is, is a very important country. It is going through a, 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 an important transition at this point with a new constitution, new elections, uh, and they're moving forward. Uh, Algiers is not probably a part of the Arab East, but it's part of the uh, uh, Maghreb. And uh, it does, it's a country with a lot of uh, potential, a lot of resources. Now it is moving again in a process of, of, of political reforms that are uh, uh, key. Uh, we have good cooperation with them in terms of educational exchanges. Uh, we're both members of the Arab League. We're both members of the OIC, members uh, of, of those regional fora that allow for engagement and we do uh, uh, want to continue to engage with Algiers in a way that could create uh, economic and other kind of cooperation in a way that would reflect positively on on on, on us and also in the region. Uh, one of the challenges that this region faces is that uh, quite often um, uh, you do not have the regional cooperation mechanism that will maximize uh, value and uh, uh, We need to uh, revisit that and create interdependence through institutional cooperation. Remember, the EU was built on on an economic uh, interdependence to start with. We need to do uh, more of the same in the Arab world. We need to know how to uh, neutralize differences. It's not all or nothing countries could disagree on one thing, but they could cooperate on a whole host of issues where they have common common, uh, uh, value and common uh, interest as well. So I think part of building uh, institutional, uh, uh, regional cooperation mechanisms is key to all of us uh, addressing many issues, including uh, COVID. I mean, uh, COVID, as we all have learned by now, it showed, again, how vulnerable we are, how interdependent we are, The virus is not going to stop at borders. You can vaccinate a country. If you do not vaccinate the neighboring country, then it will come back. Uh, So His Majesty has been speaking of regional pact, whereby, like you did in the States, States came together and and worked out a a sort of joint policy. We need to do the same in the region, region because quite often, as you know very well, the distance between States and the region is, 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 is much shorter than the distance between States within the United States of America. That is reality. Uh, The sad part of reality is that those mechanisms of cooperation do not uh, do not exist. So uh, COVID could be an opportunity is an opportunity for all of us to, uh, again, depoliticize this 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 pandemic uh, throw politics out of the window and dealing with this issue and do what's right for all of us for all our people so cooperating on fighting the pandemic, on vaccination, on uh, uh, long-term investment in uh, science and technology so that the region can be part of the creation of the solution uh, in terms of science. And in relation to the West Bank and Israel, uh, we did criticize uh, Israel initially for having vaccinated its people and not having vaccinated Palestinians who live under uh, uh, its occupation. Uh, and, And that just does not make sense because you know. I mean, again, you're talking about so closely uh, linked uh, communities out there. Uh, so that is a must. And and in Munich Group, we've been uh, uh, raising uh, the uh, need for confidence-building measures uh, between the Palestinians and Israelis. And COVID would be the great opportunity to do that because again, uh, the virus is not going to discriminate between Palestinians and Israelis. So that's an area where I feel we could have an opportunity and, and we can move uh, forward with. And we in Jordan certainly encourage that. Uh, and we believe that uh, this, is you know, on cooperation can always create confidence. It can always be a factor in, in enabling an environment of trust because the absence of trust is one of the challenges that uh, face efforts to bring about uh, peace and stability in the region. Uh, uh, in relation to the last question of the solution, look, um, Refugees is a final status issue Uh, in Oslo. The Palestinians and Israelis agreed that this will be addressed through dialogue uh, as part of the final status issues. The Arab peace initiative itself speaks of an agreed to solution to the refugees issue. Uh, uh, So, uh, and and Palestinians and Israelis have engaged in in such conversation in the past, and then they agreed on the principle, but then working out the details uh, proved challenging. And then the whole peace effort collapsed. So I think we can uh, find a solution to the refugees that address their legitimate right to uh, return and compensation uh, per uh, international law and and, uh, Resolution 194. Uh, But again, uh, put it on the table in an environment of commitment to finding a solution. uh, We do believe that uh, uh, we can address this as part of the final status issues and the parties with the help of all of us in the international community can ensure that we find a solution that works. As I said, ultimately, you need to have a solution that addresses the legitimate concerns of both parties. That is what brings about uh, the real lasting uh, peace that we want.
2: I know that his majesty has, has frequently over the years spoken very eloquently about exactly that issue. And tied to those final status issues, uh, is the status of Jerusalem. Uh, President Trump uh, took a step uh, that was part of his broader view of the Abraham Accords of recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, uh, to outcry from many in the Arab world uh, with the argument that that prejudged final status uh, discussions and negotiations. That is one question that has been raised for you. Another is, does the difference between Sunni and Shi'i Muslims in the region affect peace, affect the goal of peace, reaching peace in the Middle East?
3: Uh, Thank you. On on the issue of Jerusalem, our position in Jordan has always been that East Jerusalem should be the capital of the Palestinian state that should emerge under the two-state solution through uh, negotiations as the only way to achieving the uh, just and lasting peace. Uh, As I said, we are strong partners with the United States. We have a strategic partnership and that allows also for uh, a frank and open conversation among friends. And when the US took the decision to recognize Jerusalem as Capital of Israel and moved the embassy to uh, uh, to to Jerusalem. Uh, we disagreed with them on that, and uh, we spoke very openly. And the former Vice President Pence, after uh, visiting Amman and meeting with His Majesty, he gave a press conference at the airport in Amman, and he said His Majesty and I uh, agreed to disagree on the issue of Jerusalem. Uh, uh, so that is a disagreement, and uh, 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 we. Uh, the nature of, of relations is that you agree and disagree. Uh, we, again, we are strategic partners. Uh, we disagreed on that, uh, but we continue to work on uh, uh, the bigger and many, many other issues that we have uh, in common between us. And again, that is doing a lot of good at bad times, unfortunately, uh, in a troubled uh, neighborhood. Uh, our cooperation has contributed to uh, addressing many of the challenges that we have in the region and, 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 and beyond. Uh, the second question i think
1: was, yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah uh look sectarianism is 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 uh extremely dangerous um and anybody who plays sectarian lines is toying with the future of the whole region uh, ultimately uh, uh people go back to their limited narrow identities when the uh, overall general identity fails to provide the protection and guarantees and safety that people want. So we've seen uh, uh, that sectarian crisis developing in Iraq at a time when there was chaos and when the state could not uh, provide the security it needed. So it people went back to their uh, narrow identities. Uh, ultimately, uh, uh, in Jordan, obviously, uh, we believe that uh, there should be no discrimination on the basis of, of faith, color, religion, uh, nationality. Uh, that is part of our constitution and part of our culture and part of our history as as a country. So uh, we continue to engage not only in uh, interfaith dialogue, uh, but His Majesty, very early on, back in the early two thousands, has really. Uh, 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 made tremendous effort to bring all Muslim sects together with a view to build on that which is common and to respect that which is different uh, and to make sure that we do not allow uh, sectarian division to spread because it is a very dangerous uh, 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 threat that we cannot afford. Unfortunately, of course, you've got radicals who play that threat, who try to exaggerate it, try to create it, uh, but ultimately, again, uh, citizens should be treated based on their uh, citizenship, not based on their color, faith, race, or whatever. And uh, uh, in Jordan, we continue to warn against that. And this has been a key pillar of of, of His Majesty's efforts to bring about reconciliation within within the region. So, uh, and if you look at history, even look at Iraq uh, uh, before uh, the events of of, of the uh, last part of the last century after the crisis, Iraqis, Shia, and Sunni lived together in peace and harmony, uh, intermarriages. Uh, people did not even ask what that is. So sectarianism was born out of conflict, was born out of the destruction of the national identity, was born out of the failure uh, to build a good system of governance that is provides equal treatment uh, to all its citizens and does not discriminate against any of its citizens. Uh, that is something that we need to continue to work on. We need to continue to encourage uh, not just interfaith dialogue among uh, various religions, but also among various sects. Because ultimately, that which is common is way greater than that which is different. And and uh, sectarianism is always a function of, of politics that has been as interfaith, as religious differences are. Uh, they, they get to be manipulated and exploited. And they thrive uh, at times of despair. And when there is not fairness and good governance and and, and safety for all.
2: Thank you for that very, very strong statement. And I think that Liz is probably waiting for me to hand back to her. So I will end with a thank you to Your Excellency and over to you, Liz.
0: Well, thank you both so much. Uh, That was an incredibly illuminating uh, good discussion and excellent discussion. So thank you. And again, thank you to Steve and Baylor. We are really grateful for your support. So, just a few reminders that if you want to catch up on any of our other programs, you can head over to our YouTube channel at DFW World. And also, if you're not a member of us yet, we'd love to have you. Uh, please join us, and I'd love to meet you in person when we start uh, moving in that direction. And uh, you can visit our website, again, for information on membership at uh, dfwworld.org. And otherwise, thank you for joining us, and I wish all of you a wonderful day.